to turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, verse 14. That's on page 982 as you're turning there. Many blessings of of pastoring, but uh, one of the blessings of being here at Hope Church is hearing you all pray, hearing our elders pray, our deacons, our women. They won't let me come on Friday mornings. Wednesday night prayer times, hearing our children pray. Um, That's one of the the marks of the church, um, prayer. But hear God's word, uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 14, and we're reading through verse 20. And uh, we'll finish up uh, next Lord's Day with uh, 21 through 23. This is the word of God. Yet, it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Uh, Amen to this reading of God's inspired, inerrant, infallible word. Uh, The grass withers and the flower fades but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, uh, we, we thank you for the word of God. Holy men wrote as they were moved by your Holy Spirit, but it's your word, Lord, your word of truth, your word of life, your word about salvation, and sin. Lord, pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work in our minds, informing our minds, but moving our hearts as well uh, to a closer, deeper walk of faith with Christ, or to come to saving faith in Christ. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, think for a moment about notable partners. You might think of dancing partners like Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, music partners like Simon and Garfunkel, sports partners like Drew Brees and Marquise Colston, or biblical partners like Moses and Aaron or Priscilla and Aquila. Yes, they were married, but still partners in God's gospel ministry. 
You know, but, but here in Philippians 4, verse 15, you know, hear it again in, in God's word. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. You know, this portion of scripture teaches us about a gospel partnership between the Apostle Paul and the church at Philippi. They partnered together in their giving, their receiving, and in their gospel ministry for the glory of God. And God graciously calls Christians, every Christian, to gospel partnership for God's glory. It's not just Paul and the church at Philippi, you know, but, but we are partners uh, with God's servants as a church, all for the glory of God. What does gospel partnership look like? Begins with gospel sharing, uh, then gospel sacrificing, and then gospel supplying. Uh, keep your Bibles open if you're not there already to, to Philippians chapter 4. You know, uh, again, uh, putting this portion in context, uh, the Apostle Paul began a thank you note uh, to the church at Philippi there in Philippians 4 verse 10. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have received your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me but had no opportunity. It seems that earthly circumstances prevented them for a time from sending uh, financial gifts to support the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul encouraged them, you remember, to, to learn contentment. Not that I am speaking of being in need, verse 11, for I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. And then we concluded there with verse 13 last Lord's Day. You know, I can do all things through him, through Christ, who strengthens me. You know, contentment in the Lord's strength. Contentment in our salvation in Christ. And, and yet Paul continues his thank you note. Reading it, a translation from the New American Standard uh, for verse 14. Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. You know, it's a transition word, nevertheless. You know, here the Apostle Paul is concluding his spiritual task of giving thanks to his brothers and sisters in Christ at Philippi. You know, and what is he thanking them for? That they are sharing, you know, Koinonia, the, the, even there, there is a, a hint of partnership, sharing in my sufferings, in, in my afflictions, in my troubles. You know, how did they share in, in Paul's suffering? Well, there's a, a reference to it there in Philippians chapter 1, verse 5, that partnership, Philippians 1, 5, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And that partnership is continuing, even though the Apostle Paul is in prison in Rome and they are back in Philippi. 
They have done well to partner with them. You know, this geographically distant church came alongside Paul in his time of crisis with their faithful and sacrificial giving. You see that theme of faithful and sacrificial giving all through Scripture. I give you just uh, two examples. Exodus chapter 35, verse 22, they're taking offerings for the tabernacle. We read this, Exodus 35:22. So they came, both men and women, all who were of a willing heart, brought brooches and earrings and signet rings and armlets, all sorts of gold objects. Every man, we could say every man and woman, dedicating an offering of gold to the Lord. We see it again in Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, just reading a couple of verses. Acts 4, verse 34. Early church, there was not a needy person among them. Uh, For as many as were owners of land or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. This was not communism or socialism. This was a church that gave uh, so that all might be cared for and God's kingdom work would go forward. They're sharing in Paul's sufferings, in his troubles. Remember, Paul is in prison, no income. He, he had served the Lord as a tent maker. You know, and, and yet they're sharing, you know, just by giving of their means to the support of the gospel. One commentator put it this way, the Philippians had renewed their kindness by helping Paul financial, financially. You know, what a gospel blessing it is when believers graciously help hurting believers you know, with our prayers, with our presence, if we're able to be there, you know, with our, our support, our, our financial support. You know, there's a gospel sharing, but it's a sustained sharing. Look now at verse 15. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. You know, the Philippian church faithfully helped the Apostle Paul since the beginning of the gospel. We looked at it when we began Philippians, there in Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas led of the Lord to, to Philippi. You know, it's been about 10 years uh, since the Lord used these servants of his to plant the church, conversion of Lydia and her family, the Philippian jailer and his family. You know, and and look there closely at verse 15. It uses the words giving and receiving. You know, in in, uh, the original, these are accounting terms. You know, they have given uh, to the Apostle Paul. He has received them. You hear Jesus using similar language might surprise you. 
Matthew 10, verse 7 and 8. Matthew 10, verse 7. And proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. And then here's the last part of verse 8. You received without paying, give without pay. You know, as Christians, we ought to give generously uh, to God's gospel work because he has graciously given us his gift of salvation in Christ. You know, we ought to share in loving obedience. Stuart Briscoe put it this way, sharing is a response of loving obedience motivated by the goodness of God. You know, gospel sharing. You know, one of the first lessons, and it's been a few years, that uh, parents strive to teach their children, you know, is that of sharing. You know, such as sharing toys with friends and siblings. You know, it's a hard lesson for toddlers. It's a hard lesson for teens, especially if you have siblings. And it's a hard lesson for us as adults to learn. You know, our our tendency to say, you know, this is mine. I've earned it. I deserve it. You get your own. And here scripture teaches us, you know, about sharing. You know, it's a hard lesson for churches, for us as Christians as well. It's my prayer, you know, Len and I will continue to be praying for you all, but it's our prayer that Hope Presbyterian Church remain a church that faithfully shares the gospel and sends out funds to support gospel workers here in St. Landry Parish, you know, in the United States and all around the globe. It's a gospel privilege uh, to share with struggling gospel laborers, a joyful privilege. So gospel sharing there in verses 14 and 15, but now we see there, there is gospel sacrificing. You know, when we are considering what it means to be a gospel partner, gospel sharing, gospel sacrificing, uh, verses 16 through 18, you know, a, a quick review if you don't have a map in your Bible, and I had to look at mine again this week. You know, a quick review of Paul's second missionary journey. Remember, he received that uh, dramatic gospel call to go to Macedonia. Uh, Paul and Silas then went to Philippi, left Philippi then to go next to, to Thessalonica. You know, Thessalonica was a big commerce center, largely Gentile, and yet there was a synagogue there. That's where Paul first preached, Acts 17.1. And it's, and it's striking here that it's a, it's a smaller church at Philippi, what we would call a less wealthy church, that is supporting Paul when he is in Thessalonica. They faithfully gave to the cause of mission, to spiritually needy cities, so that, and we'll see that Paul preached the gospel there. You know, 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 8, just reading one verse, 1 Thessalonians, excuse me, 2, verse 8. 
So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you had become very dear to us. You know, he's sharing the gospel, the good news of salvation, you know, that, that we are sinners, sinners saved by grace through faith in Christ. And as we took at, look closely at this gospel sacrificing, you know, Philippians 4, verse 16 and following, we're reminded, you know, there at 16, you, you sent me help for my needs once and again. You know, it's a sustained sacrifice. It's not a, not a one and done. Okay, we'll send this gift one time to this missionary. No, they... they regularly sent it, where, where scripture doesn't give us the specifics, whether it's quarterly or annually, you know, but they, they gave time and time again. A sustained sacrifice, it was a fruitful sacrifice, verse 17. Not that I seek the gift, you know, Paul's not concerned so much about the money, how many zeros there are on the check, or how many gold coins there might be, you know, but what's he seeking? What's he desiring? The fruit that increases to your credit. You know, it's his prayer and gospel purpose that they may grow spiritually as they give generously to God's gospel, God's kingdom work. Gordon Fee puts it this way, Paul's interest is not in their reward as such, but in their gift as evidence that their relationship with Christ is in good order and is continuing to grow. It's, it's God's work of sanctification, even, even as they're giving sacrificially to the gospel. You know, and our faith grows as we give sacrificially. I remember one time, you know, it was close to my mom's father, my grandfather, godly man, Martin H. Martin Johnson. Spent a lot of time at his home as a child and even as an adult. And uh, he was an accountant for General Electric. And I, I'm sure I've told this story before. He retired. And it strikes me even more now. But in retirement, he said, not proudly, but he said, I give 20% to the Lord. You know, they lived very simply. Uh, But, you know, here, you know, I I believe he was a witness, you know, that, that as we give generously to the Lord, faithfully to the Lord, you know, it, it, it grows us in, in our love for Christ and our dependence upon Christ. It's a God-pleasing sacrifice. Verse 18, the longer verse, um, you know, we'll, we'll lead into verse 19 here in, in a moment. It's a God-pleasing sacrifice. So it's a sustained sacrifice, a, a fruitful sacrifice, but a god Pleasing sacrifice. Apostle Paul writes, I have received full payment. You know, I, I've been paid in full. Sort of like when you, when you pay off a, a bill, they used to stamp it. 
you know, paid in full, I have received full payment. And more than enough, again, Paul expresses his gratitude for the gifts that were sent via Epaphroditus. We've talked about Epaphroditus before. He was in the church at Philippi. He was the one who brought the gift to Paul in prison in Rome. And then the apostle Paul sent him back because they were concerned about him. So Paul affirms that he has received that gift from Epaphroditus. You know, and three verbs there, I have received, I abound, I am well supplied. You know, and note how Paul describes their their God-pleasing sacrifice. You know, Old Testament imagery here. A fragrant offering, first of all, and then next a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. You know, a a fragrant offering. You know, your offering is a sweet-smelling aroma. You know, write down the cross-reference. Won't take the time to to study the same thing, but that same language is used when Mary anointed Jesus at, at Bethany. You know, the house was filled with the fragrance of of the perfume. You know, and our offerings as well are a fragrant offering. Not not that we can smell them from the offering plates, but, but to the Lord. It's a fragrant offering. You know, we, we see it again in the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 8. Genesis 8, verse 20 through 22, let me read them for us. Genesis 8, verse 20, then Noah built an altar to the Lord. This is after the flood. Waters had receded. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelt the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Never Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. You know, our our offerings to the Lord are, are to be fragrant. You know, in the Lord's, to put it plainly, as it says here in Genesis 8, in the Lord's nostrils. Secondly, it's a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. A a sacrifice that is taught in holy scriptures, given to a holy God. Given to the Lord. A God-pleasing sacrifice. You know, hear John Calvin on this. Or what, quote, or what better things can be desired than that our acts of obedience should be sacred offerings which God receives from our hands and takes pleasure in their sweet odor? Now, God takes pleasure in our sacrifice given unto him. 
confirm that from Hebrews 13:16, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. You know, we, we don't give, you know, so that the person sitting next to us in the pew can pat us on the back. You know, they're, they're to be pleasing to, to God. Elizabeth Elliot, you know, a, a great and gracious Christian woman now in glory. She was the wife of her first husband was Jim Elliot, um, who was a Christian missionary, martyr, killed in Ecuador back in 1956. And then she married a seminary professor. But Elizabeth Elliot was a, a great writer and speaker. In one of her writings, she put it this way, my life for yours, my life for yours. And then she goes on to say, just one more sentence, we give ourselves to him first of all and then serve him by serving others. You know, one of my you know, humble desires as your pastor has been to increase our congregation, congregation's awareness, and my awareness too, of and prayerful support of our, our missionaries. And one way tried to do this, um, put our, our current missionary letters on the bulletin board behind the church, or you could sign up for most missionary emails uh, if you so desire and I would encourage that put it in the bulletin as well and uh, as we announced at the beginning of the message Lynn and I and others Joanne no others have been fervently praying for for James and Stephanie and family you know, the great civil unrest in the country, they don't want the name of the country even to be announced publicly for fear of retribution. You know, many foreigners have been evacuated or we're not sure of James and Stephanie's current situation, but Joanne gave an update this morning from uh, <coughs> James's parents and uh, they are in a convoy with Save the Children, you know, heading to the, the coast. And they're not flying them out of the country. Uh, they, they flew out uh, U.S. citizens in the embassy, but uh, the rest are making their way across land. Not sure the distance. Uh, you know, so pray for them. You know, the, you know, when I think of those who have made sacrifices for the gospel today, you know, that James and Stephanie pop, they're the ones who first appear in, in my mind. And they, they have done it gladly, even joyfully as unto the Lord. You know, great gospel sacrifice, the sacrifice for their, their savior, but you know, where, where does their power, their, their gospel motivation comes from? It comes from Christ. The love of Christ for them and their love for Christ. You know, hear this, Ephesians 5, verse 2. 
Ephesians 5, verse 2, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You know, if Christ gave himself up as a, that fragrant offering that we were talking about, a sacrifice to God, how can we not, you know, live sacrificially for our Savior? You know, in, in our giving, in our prayers, whatever other means that God brings to mind. You know, three biblical lessons about gospel partnership here. Before we go on to the last section, first, you know, gospel partnership, it, it means faithfulness. Faithfulness over the years. You know, we're, we're not to be fair weather in our giving. Faithfulness. Secondly, fruitfulness, you know, in, in a gospel partnership. The Lord, the Lord grows our faith. You know, as we give sacrificially of our energy, of our prayers, of our, of our finances, you know, as on to the Lord. God grows our faith, too, as a church, as we labor together in Christ's kingdom. You know, but third and finally, it's a fragrant witness. You know, not, not only in, in the Lord's nostrils, but I believe it's a fragrant witness to a watching world around us. You know, they, they see the grace of Christ at work. Gospel sharing, gospel sacrificing, and finally now gospel supplying. We come to Philippians 4, 19. You know, two great verses in this section. Philippians 4, verse 13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me, and remember the importance of looking at it in context. We need to be reminded of that here with Philippians 4.19. You know, it's not a prosperity verse, you know, health and wealth. You know, but the Apostle Paul writes after the, this church at Philippi has given faithfully unto, unto the Lord's kingdom work, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You know, Dr. James Boyce, one of my pastoral heroes, I use his commentary, his sermons on Philippians, wrote this, we come now to what is perhaps the greatest promise in the Bible. There are Philippians 4, 19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And we're just going to do this in a New York minute. You know, what does Philippians 4.19 teach us? You know, first we see Paul's personal acknowledgement of a personal faith in God and my God. You know, might we all be able to say, and my God will do this. Not, not that he's exclusively ours, but... We know that he's our God, the God of our salvation. You know, think of it this way. After Jesus' resurrection, we always think of doubting Thomas. That's our, the first word, adjective, that comes into mind with Thomas. But in John 20, 28, when the Lord appeared the second time there to the apostles, what did Thomas say? 
my Lord and my God. My Lord and, and my God. Paul's acknowledgement of a personal faith in God, but his assurance of God's provision. You know, so often when we give of our tithes and our offerings to the Lord, oh man, I can't give. Taxes are due, had an unexpected bill, got to put a roof on, kids need braces, you know, whatever it might be. You know, and here God's word affirms to us, my God will fully supply every need of yours, your material needs. He won't let you go hungry if you're faithful and giving and laboring. He'll supply every spiritual need. You know, one, one uh, pastor, one wag said this, my God will supply every need, every need, not every greed. You know, it's, it's not, okay, here's the checkbook, you write the check, I'm, I'm not going to worry about it. You know, God will supply our, our spiritual needs of yours, and here he's talking to the church. Abundance, you know, what, what's the source so, uh, you know, of God's generosity, God's graciousness according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus? It's reminding us of the cross of Christ. You know, the riches of our redemption in, in Christ. And then it closes there, verse 20, you know, still gospel supplying, a word of adoration. What, what should be our response to all of this? You know, if you have your Bibles open, say it with me. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. A good way to close our prayers. You know, even at home. You know, our giving and gospel ministry for God's glory. Appreciated Dirk saying, put the, uh, put the lyrics, this little uh, sheet in your, in your Bible, good bookmark, good reminder. But, but look again at that fourth verse. You know, though troubles assail, also known as the Lord will provide. If you look at it in the Trinity hymnal, it's based on Philippians 4.19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. But listen to that last verse. It was actually this hymn too, just so you know, was written by John Newton. Um, we, we sing it to a newer tune, but John Newton wrote it back in uh, 1779. Last verse. No strength of our own or goodness we claim, yet since we have known the Savior's great name, in this our strong tower for safety we hide. The Lord is our power. The Lord will provide. When life sinks apace and death is in view, the word of his grace shall comfort us through. No fearing or doubting, with Christ on our side, we hope to die shouting, the Lord will provide. A good reminder, um, 
surprise those who are standing around your deathbed. You know, the Lord will provide. And he will provide. The Lord is our power. You know, the Lord will provide. You know, as we are gospel partners, you know, for God's glory, God graciously calls each and every Christian, you know, to gospel partnership, to sharing, sacrificing, knowing that God is, gonna, is the one who will be supplying and note, ends on that note of praise to our God and Father. Be glory forever and ever. Amen. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we, we thank you uh, for that privilege of laboring in your fields that are white unto harvest, Lord. Thank you that we can partner with you with our prayers, with our giving, Lord, even with our presence in worship, Sunday school, in the ministry of your church, Lord. And Lord, may we pray that we would not just be sitting idly uh, until Christ comes again. Lord, may we be about our Father's business, laboring, uh, Lord, by your grace and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.